from how can I contribute to what's in it for me? And we talked about this and then we began reading Romans chapter 12, listening as Paul encouraged us. Calls, he says, make your lives living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And how this idea of living as a sacrifice is the cure for consumerism. So much of consumerism is about me and what's in it for me. But we live our lives in a sacrifice, a living sacrifice for our Lord. Well, I've been staying in Romans. I've been reading this passage again and again, listening for it. And realizing, too, how Paul, as he talks to this church in Rome, that not only does he confront even our issues of consumerism, but also the issues of our individualism. This idea, individualism, this idea that I don't need anybody. Or in fact, I don't want anybody because other people make life complicated, so I'm just going to do it on my own. That Paul confronts this. And this is so broad. Individualism is such a, a broad term. And, it's, and it includes so much. But it's something that we have to address. We have to address it because it's so deep within our culture, so prevalent, so ubiquitous. Everywhere, there's this, I, there's this pressure to, to be more individual, to be more independent of one another. So as I'm thinking about this and realizing that as, this, I just, as our independence has grown, our individualism has grown, so has, our, at the same time, our connection with one another has decreased. I don't know if you've seen this or felt this, but it seems like the more independent we become, the less connected we are. And so for all the things that we have, the ability to travel and to visit each other in Facebook and telephones, People actually, there's this talk about people feeling more and more disconnected, more and more alone in our society. And people are struggling with it. See, it used to be that people would come and they would say, like, how can I give to the group? And now people are often asking, how can the group give to me? Or actually, there's even got to the point where some people just say, forget the group altogether, I'm just going to do it by myself. I'm going on it alone. And we're going to need to talk some about this because this is so prevalent in the culture around us. How does this begin to undermine our community, our church family? How does it begin to undermine even our faith? Have any of you experienced some of this, of what I'm talking about, or seen this? Have any of you felt that that there's this lack or or a decrease in, in commitment to the group? I don't know if any of you have seen that. I... I mean, I, maybe I'm romanticizing it a bit, but I don't think things always used to be like that. Uh, here's a picture of a barn raising. Look at all the people that are gathered together to raise this barn. You know, and, I, and maybe I am romanticizing it, but I think there was a time, and you see it now too in, in immigrate, or immigrant um, groups who come even still to Canada, because they don't have a lot, they have to rely on each other. They have to rely on each other. And even if they didn't want to, they still do because they know that they need the group. Well, as things have changed, we've become wealthier and we, our technology has gotten better, we don't need each other quite as much. And I don't know if you can see this picture very well, but... This is kind of like more of a modern family. And I don't know if you can see it, but every person has some sort of technology device except for the, I think it's the grandfather in the middle. Look at the kids here on our leap pad. They're all on their phone. The dad's on a laptop. I know this is, this is sort of a, a, satir, a satire um, photo, but how often does this happen? 
Tracy talks about it. She talks about, um, she was reading in a, in a book about my me box and how much time we spend on my me box, our phone or our iPad. I've <laughs> gone to places where, I mean, even our own family, we've been in, like in the same room together and all of us are doing something different. The boys are playing on the iPod and Tracy and I are, I'm looking through my phone and she's looking through her iPad. How, with all of our technology and all of our wealth, it makes us less connected. And I know some people talk about Facebook and there are some people who really do experience some level of connection on Facebook. But I have to ask, I mean, if you have 200 friends and the only thing you say is LOL, laugh out loud, or a smiley face, like how, what sort of connection is that? Or you just repost, you know, that funny picture of the cat playing the piano. Like what sort of community is that? How deep is that? So not only is community... Oh. Right. 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 You might get a call from the RCMP if you did that too much. Right. But for all of our talk about, for all of the things that technology was supposed to help and connect us, I mean, I think about, I don't know, some of you, maybe, how many of you live like a plane ride away from your family? Things weren't always like that. I'm wondering if some of us are starting to feel some of this, this, um, how individualism is beginning to separate us, beginning to isolate us. Does anybody know kind of what I'm talking about? Like, does anybody else see the problems with this? Or see the ways that it affects even our church family, the way we're connected here? Like I said, I've been listening to Paul and to his letter to the Romans. If you would, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Or if you want to, in your bulletin, there's this white sheet. It's just written on it there as well. And read along with me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, this is the part I want you to listen to, especially for this morning. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I'm listening to Paul and the letter that he's written to the Romans and I'm hearing the Holy Spirit call us deeper into community, into real community. Not shallow community, the kind of community, you know, kind of where you just talk about the weather, but real community. And not community when it's just when it's convenient, but the kind of community that takes commitment, ongoing commitment, real community, where we truly belong to one another. As I've been reading this, that's the place where I've been drawn to, is verse 4. If you look at it, it's, it's bolded. 
And let me just read it again. It said, Just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That's the part I want to focus in on. Each member belongs to all the others. That is almost the exact opposite of what our culture teaches us about individualism. When we say that we belong to one another, our culture says, you're crazy. First of all, I don't want anybody to belong to me because I don't want to be responsible for them. And second of all, you can be sure that I don't want to belong to anyone because I don't want anybody having control over my life. I'm the one who decides what I do. Individualism and the independence says, why don't we just do this? How about if we each just kind of be responsible for ourselves and then we don't have to worry about who is responsible for who? That's our culture. It tells us, no, 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 I'm independent. I don't want to be responsible for other people and I sure don't want other people trying to be responsible for me. It's ingrained in us. I mean, how many movies are there about the, the group who comes together and does the great? No, it's usually one hero, right? This rugged individual who saves everybody. <laughs> oh, one, that only happens in the movies. <laughs> and two, that's not who Jesus has called us to be. You see, the thing is, this individualism in us, it cultivates our pride. Our pride that says, I can do this on my own. In fact, actually, it's better if I do it on my own. And I think it's so fitting that Paul, the first thing he says to them, he says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Paul's saying, do not think of yourself more than you ought. Don't think of yourselves that you're some sort of super person who always has to do everything on your own. The thing is, we're trained from the time that we're young that it's better if we do it our own. We're trained to not need anybody. That you're somehow weak if you need help. This is individualism. And it wasn't always like this. I mean, people, some, there were people, maybe even 150 years ago, they would grow up in one town. I mean, sure, people would travel and stuff, but a majority of people lived in one town, and that was who you were. You knew your neighbors, and you helped each other. If somebody's barn burnt down, the whole, the whole community gathered together and helped them rebuild it because they knew that if something happened to them, then the whole community would be there for them. We struggle with this individualism. And Paul confronts it. See, there's problems with this individualism. There's problems in it. We feel less connected, more isolated from each other. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that, that as Paul speaks to us, that community is the cure for individualism. Community is the cure for the individualism that separates us, that isolates us. Community is the cure. And I would add, Faith community, especially. The thing, the thing is, I hear people talking about this need for community. 
But I, but I realize that often people say I'm looking for more community. They often mean community on my terms. I don't know if you've ever talked about or heard that. You know, there'll be people talking, I, I need more community. I need to be more connected with people. And people will come to me, even sometimes people in the church, they'll say, Jason, I'm, I'm feeling sort of left out. I'm feeling like I need more community. And I don't know, many of you have heard, like, kind of like community is kind of the cool thing to talk about now. And so people will come and they'll say, we want more community. And I say, well, here's, like we gather on Sundays. Here's a group that meets on Monday. Here's a group that meets on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Here's what we're doing in the next few Saturdays. And people kind of start to stop me and they say, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, actually, I can't do that because my life is really busy, so I don't know if I can fit that in. And, and you've got a group that I think maybe I'd like to be a part of that meets on, uh, say, Wednesdays. But I'm not sure if I want to be committed, like tied down every Wednesday night. And I start realizing when they say I want community, what they really want is community that's convenient for me. Community on my terms. I've seen that so often. So people, when they say they want real community, they're thinking I can, there's probably some way I can get real community where I really, to belong, really belong to someone and they belong to me. But I need it to fit within like a 20-minute period when I've got some free time on Tuesday night. Or they say, you know, I need it to fit when it's really convenient for me. Maybe they could all kind of gather around me in my life because I'm kind of busy. The thing is, the more we expect life or community to be convenient, the less we will connect with people. If we expect community to just be convenient, we'll, we will end up alone. I think it's crazy for us you want to hear crazy? It's crazy for us to think that we can live our fast-paced, our hurried lives, our fragmented lives, when we're doing 500 things all at once and we can have real community in the midst of that. It's crazy. But I'm grateful for the Word of God. I'm grateful for what Paul calls us to. He says community is important. Community is available to us. But we have to keep choosing it. We have to belong to one another. Keep having community, but on purpose. That's the part that's, that's sort of difficult for us. To keep choosing community, even when it's hard. I think the days are numbered of people just sort of being a part of a community and connecting, at least in our culture for the foreseeable future. I was just thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about the Arsenos and the, and the Johnsons in Africa. And they talk about like just the hundreds of people who come every Sunday and they're there for hours, praising God and then hearing the word and they spend so much time together. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I have no idea. But I I'm, I'm, have a hunch that maybe it's because like they don't have a lot of other things. And so people really matter to them. Like this is like the greatest day of the week. And yet in our culture, we have so much stuff, so much money. And when it comes to on a beautiful Sunday morning or a beautiful June weekend, we think, you know, I haven't had the boat out in a while. I haven't been on a golfing trip in a while. We have so much stuff that people, we start taking each other, we start taking community for granted. 
And we're so able to drive and to go other places and to move. And the community really suffers and people find themselves more and more alone, more and more isolated. I hear Paul saying that we need to keep choosing community on purpose again and again and again. Not just when it's convenient, but again, especially when it's inconvenient to choose community, to belong to one another. I think that's like this prophetic word that Paul spoke to the church in Rome that we hear speaking to us today. That we belong to one another. Not just when it's convenient, but that we truly belong. That's when true community comes. And I was thinking about it too. I, this isn't optional for us. Jesus, I never read the, the translation where Jesus said, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. Unless, of course, you'd rather just be on your own, then that's different. Like I, didn't, I haven't seen that version yet. And when Paul says, belong to one another, actually he says, he said, just as each one of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to one another, I don't see him anywhere saying, unless, of course, it's not really convenient for you or it doesn't fit in your life very easily. He's saying we belong to each other. So I think whether we realize it or not, as followers of Jesus, we belong to one another. We are family. These are powerful words for us. But they're good for us. Because if we don't have this conversation, I think we can easily just go along with our culture and think, you know, I really can be independent. I've got enough money and resources. I don't need to rely on somebody to help me rebuild my house. I'll just pay someone to do it. Or I've got a car. I don't need to rely on my friends or my neighbors. I'll just drive into town and get what I need. We have to be purposeful. We have to be intentional about community. We have to keep choosing it. I think that's kind of the hard part for us. Because we have so many other things that are available to us, we have to keep choosing community. Because community is the cure for individualism and the isolation and the alienation that come with it. I was going to say, if you, like, this, is a great, this is an important conversation for us to keep having in our small groups or over coffee this week. Keep talking about the way individualism this idea that I can do it all on my own or actually somehow it's better if I do it on my own, how it erodes our faith and our faith community. Please keep talking about it. There's questions in the, the bulletin. It'd be great to get together and talk about these with, people, with each other. Um, so let me just uh, pray for us. And um, Father in heaven, Lord God, we praise you for your word and the ways that it challenges us. Lord God, the ways that it calls and it questions some of the things of our culture, whether it's consumerism or individualism or greed. Lord God, we just pray that you um, would speak to us through your word that by hearing your word, by following following you, Lord Jesus, that we would live lives that are counter to our culture. Lord God, that we would live against the grain in ways that, that people would ask, people would question us about it they would see our lives, God, and they would see the goodness of it, especially our connection to our faith community, to our church family. And they'd say, I want, to, I want that as well. I feel so alone. God, I pray that you'd use us. 
God, that you would help us to stay connected with one another. For your glory. We pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.